Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Level up your listening with Bose QuietComfort Ultra Earbuds and Headphones with immersive sound and world-class noise cancellation for a not-so-silent night. Visit Bose.com slash Spotify to shop sound that's more than a present. I just want to jump in here with a quick note about some changes that are happening. This podcast is now going ad-supported. What that means is I will be releasing select episodes from the hundreds of episodes I have archived now on Patreon and releasing them here. A lot of these were recorded a couple of years ago during 2020, especially. However, I have gone through them and deemed that the parenting information was still really relevant. So just be aware that some of these releases may be out of order chronologically. Also, if you would like to listen to the podcast ad-free, you can still join Patreon. I'll still be releasing podcasts there with a few bonuses. One is that it will be ad-free. One will be that you get the podcast slightly earlier than everybody else. And I'll also be doing a bonus episode every month with a Q&A that's patron specific. So if that's something you'd like to do, you can join for a dollar a month and we'll see you there. Thanks, guys. Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, you guys. Welcome, welcome. So today I am interviewing Marcy Melzer, and she's an intuitive speech language pathologist consultant, and she's the founder of the online platform Waves of Communication. She's successfully coached more than 100 parents in 14 countries to find their nonverbal kids spoken language when therapy has failed. She has helped thousands of families find success with their late talking kids through her free YouTube videos, her book, if it isn't fun, it isn't fun. Teach your child to talk faster than speech therapy. So I'm so excited to have Marcy on today because I know you guys have a lot of questions. I want to jump in, Marcy. Like, I don't really care how you got your chops. People can go look you up for that. I don't want to waste anybody's time with how you became who you are. But I, I do want to ask you, can you talk about the intuitive aspect? Because I'm very excited. One of the things, you know, as a potty trainer and a parenting expert is I work off my intuition and I'll be like, sitting on the toilet, taking my own shit. And all of a sudden the hair on my, my neck will go up and I'll be like, oh, I know exactly what to do with this kid. And I don't know why I say I'm the rain man of potty training. Like sometimes I don't know why I know the information, but I just do. So can you talk to us a little bit about that part? Oh, wow. So first of all, thank you so much. And I knew that I was going to love being on this podcast, but when you just said that, I just got chills <laughs> on the back of my neck. And I'm telling you what, when, I, when, when the universe connects people, it's just a brilliant thing. And what is so cool about people like you and me who are naturally intuitive and use it to live our lives, no matter what we do, whether we're sitting in the bathroom or we're trying to cook dinner or we're trying to do 5,000 things at the same time and thinking about like, I can't even concentrate on doing one thing because this idea won't stop bugging me. And then I'm like, all right, forget it. I'm going to write it down and do the video tomorrow. I'm going to do the video. And it's like the, the, the message won't leave you alone. Right. Right. Like you have to go out and produce this content. And that's how the universe drives us to help people. And that's why I love it. That's why I love this podcast. And I love that we get to be who we are. Right. We don't have to be teacher professors (laughs) or, you know, whatever on YouTube and podcasts. The way we get to be who we are is the universe guides us to be what people need. And the people who follow you are the same kind of people who follow me. So I am so happy to be here. So let me tell you what an intuitive speech language pathologist is. It's very much like an intuitive potty training expert, right? You know what you know from your experience. You've helped many, 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 many people solve a problem 
because you're good at it because you've done it a whole bunch of times. And again, you didn't get good at potty training. Like I didn't get good at being a speech and language pathologist until I worked with a lot, a lot of people. And, you know, I learned from them because one has one problem, another has another problem. And then I might use the one from one of those to help a third mom who has a different problem. And so the intuition builds, you see, over time in you as a vessel, right, of information. Your knowledge is not the average that anybody learns at school. It comes from your personal experiences in your life as a coach, as a professor, as a, you know, your version of you. And and that's what everybody has. And mamas, right, they have a mama hat that this intuitive knowledge that we get these hits, these ideas. Where do our ideas come from? Right. When we get them on the crapper or wherever we're sitting. Right. (laughs) It's some and it always happens different for everybody and everybody. If you stop right now and think about where your ideas come, it is when you're quiet, when you're by yourself. And maybe mamas, it's the only time is when they're in the bathroom or when they're first waking up in the morning before the kiddo cries or before you get out of bed to go get them. Or in those moments, like maybe you're driving in the car and the kids on their video and you get a one moment, 30 seconds where you're in the zone. I call it the zone, right? And why it's so important for language facilitation is when this zone is an energy zone, a connection zone where you are getting information and parents and kids that mother intuition, right? That's how you know what your kid is thinking when they look at you sideways and make a funny face. And you're like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. Like, that's how you know your kid needs something, you know. Mama's well, nice have, let me interrupt you for one second, because this is a really important thing. And I want to I want to kind of jump in because we started talking before I started recording you guys. And I was like, wait, stop. Hold that thought, because we need this like recorded. Yeah. So, you know, one of the main questions I asked on Instagram stories, your questions for you and quite a few of them had to do with what constitutes late talking? When should somebody be worried? When should somebody seek services? And you just said a really important thing that I find in my work, which is I find our parents today have a hard time locking into their own intuition because of the myriad of confusing information on the internet. And one of the biggest things I get, you know, one of the biggest compliments I get from my book is when people say, you know what, your book just reaffirmed what I thought in my heart. And I'm like, yes, Yes. Like I, I don't pretend to be this expert who knows everything. I certainly don't, but I do. I really think my part of my job is helping parents lock back into that original intuition, you know, right. Feel like intuitively it's wrong to wait too long to potty train. They feel intuitively. So you had said something about, you said, this is what I like. I said, stop. Don't, don't say anymore. Cause she said, well, if you're worried about it right there, that's the wrong mindset. Right. Go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, that's what I saw when, you know, you, you had sent me a list of the questions that you got from your Instagram stories. And I was breezing through them before to kind of prep for the interview, too. And I noticed this theme and that's why we talked about it before. And, I, you know, it's like, when should parents worry? At what time should I be concerned? You know, they're looking for something wrong. In that case, and it's not necessarily an innate thing for a parent to look for something wrong themselves. You look for what's beautiful in your kid. You naturally look for what's beautiful. It's other people who compare your kid to other kids who find the things that are wrong. And they don't even say they don't even have to say out loud your kid is wrong. All they have to do is compare your kid to another kid and you assume it's wrong. You assume it's it's bad. You assume you're behind. And then and then because you're a mama, you internalize it and worry. I didn't do something or I did do something that wrecked my kid that somebody thinks they're bad or wrong or broken or somehow not like other kids should be. Yes, you yes, know, yes, yes. and then they start thinking they're bad and their kids broken and they start going down this worry tunnel and then they miss right the good information. And they are not in a mindset where they can even follow the suggestions, the beautiful suggestions that people like you and me give every day, all day on our YouTube channels and podcasts. You know, they can't even process the information because they're stuck in worry about I didn't do or I should have do or what can I do or what do I do, do, do me, me, me. What can I do? And then they lose that connection. Let's break break that down for a minute because because I love that. 
But I also do think like we have these outside markers. So for example, I'll just, I'll like use the analogy of potty training, but for example, our two-year-olds look really little to us. So it really almost passes by people that two years is the perfect age to potty train. Four years is way, way too late. And then people and and potty training, I almost see the opposite. Don't worry about it. They're not going to go to college in diapers. True enough. They may not go to college in diapers, but four years old, you've entrenched a habit of diaper wearing for two more years. So, you know, like, like, let's say with walking, you know, somewhere between nine months, by the way, have you ever seen a nine month old walk? It's freaky. It's like a little baby gets right. It's It's crazy when it (laughs) happens. Same thing with kids who start talking. You can use talking. We can use talking as an analogy for this. Exactly. Because talking evolves the same way potty training does. It is a developmental skill. You didn't come into the earth eliminating in a potty. You came into the earth eliminating, right? Right, right, And you came into the earth communicating. You came into the earth communicating. Okay. Don't don't say any more on communicating because that's going to leave. You're going to open too many rabbit holes at once for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because I do want to go back to that. So is there an age that you would consider where you would be like, dude, you got to be worried now, now. Yeah. Let me give you the guidelines. Just get, let me okay. give you the basics. Perfect. Okay. So just like with potty training, you give the age range by two, you should start thinking about it by four. It's too late. Right. Same with communication. And, and we're talking about expressive language, a kiddo being able to start to use words that mean something to you. Right. And it starts with mama to get you and that kind of stuff. And like you said, the really early precocious kids, nine months, they're saying words and it sounds Sounds freaky. Like these kids are, you know, like you said, whatever. And it's the same with potty training. There's kids that give up diapers and learn to sit on potties way before they can even reach the thing. Right. Because there is some intrinsic motivation for that kid to develop that skill. They don't want to be the old way anymore. They want to evolve. So what happens with communication by two years old is the big kind of standard where your kiddo should be using, not just saying sometimes once in a while, using on a regular basis, 50 words. And those words should be starting to be combined like mama come, mama cookie, which means a bigger phrase like mama, give me a cookie or mama, I don't want a cookie or mama, no, like mama, stop doing that. Or shoes, 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 meaning I want to get my shoes on to go outside. These messages will start to look like, ooh, language is coming. And then you'll know because when your kid hits that milestone, it never stops. You hear new words every single day and the progress evolves, okay? That's how you know your kiddo's on the right track. You never have to worry because they don't stop talking. When you have to be concerned is when something blocks the process and you stop seeing evolution. Because remember, communication evolves from birth. So if you get to be two years old, 24 months, and you don't see Every day, new evolution, every day, new trying, because a kid can't learn to use spoken language unless they try to do it, just like potty training. Right, right, right. For, you there's know, no in theory. <laughs> there's no in theory, exactly. They have to learn how to do it. If you want spoken language, now you can teach your kid to say words just like you can teach your kids to p- touch their head and, and, and imitate things all over the place. But that's different. That's the same as people who potty train by sticking their kid and they think they're potty trained because they take them to the potty every 15 minutes. And they yeah, never, yeah. they never. Because so that was a question. That was a very specific question. A mama wrote in about 30 month old. Is it late talking? He recites Elmo, but won't respond or use his own words when asking a question or if he needs something. So would you consider that? Yes. Also late talking, because again, here's a kid who has a behavior. He's reciting Elmo that he's memorized, just like when you teach your kid how to do the motions to the wheels on the bus song, but they're not singing yet. Right. But they memorize those motions and they know when to sing it and they know when to do them and they do it at the right time. And it's real communication and connection. Right. right? But it's not verbal. You get right. But it's not verbal. So memorizing and imitating. Like I said, you can teach a kid to say words just like you can teach a kid to pee on the potty if you take them there. 
right? But it's not intrinsic spoken language. It's imitated behavior that okay. sounds like a word, right? Because okay. if you want to teach your kid to scream on cue, you can do that too. You know what right. I mean? So, so in that sense, like if you're, say you're, 16 month old is just that's mimicking because that's what they're going to do, right? They have to start with it. They have to start with it in order to think about what language is. And this is how it evolves, like how the process works. We start, remember, with communicating screams, cries, you know, literally our bodies communicate when we poop. Our parents respond by changing our diapers. Okay, that's how babies communicate. Now, let's that's not even talking about the intuitive stuff. That's just using the five senses that we use every day day. Every mama uses these things. If you never had a baby before, you use your oh senses to communicate. It's such, it's such an important point because people will say to me, my kid doesn't have enough words to potty train. I'm like, that's nonsense. Your child is always communicating. Always. Yeah. Every behavior, every, all behavior is communication and all exactly. parents understand all of that behavior. You do, you know what it means, even though you think, and the problem is parents talk to other people. What do you think he did? What do you think he means? What do you think he, whatever? And you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The mamas yeah. know. <laughs> so let me ask you this. So you said by two using those words, and I would probably even in my work, I would tell people don't go counting your words. Make sure they no. have fifty. Like, it's the process they of evolution. They're not advanced. If they have forty-eight, they're not delayed. Like don't get hooked up on the numbers. No, but it's the progress. It's if you what? are not seeing progress. If you see your kids start to withdraw from you, like if you if the blockages show up, that's the problem. What red flags? They call them red flags in the autism identification world, right? When those red flags pop up, that's what triggers the worry. And then what happens? So this is how the progress blocks, right? So let's say a kiddo gets to be two years old and they're not, and they're late talking. Maybe they had ear fluid. Maybe they had, who knows? There are three things that will block spoken language and keep a kid at their current level of communication wherever they've evolved, whether it's crying still and and whining like they did when they were babies or your single words or words combined with sounds or dragging you around or whatever, they will get stuck and stay stuck at a level. If that level, when that level is working for them and when the evolution is blocked. What are those three blockers? Three blockers physiological blockers. So that can be anything from ear fluid blocking your kid's ability to ear. Basically, it blocks your ear, nose and throat problem or otherwise major medical things that would affect your ability to learn. So if you've got seizures, if you're sick all the time, you're not going to learn, right? You're not going to learn communication. So if you're not in a ready learning mode, if you're not healthy and well and ability to listen and hear spoken language, that's the only physiological requirement. Okay. Okay. All these kids' brains are underdeveloped because they haven't had exposure to speech yet because they're not listening. That's the problem. All right. So what happens then? The next one is the environmental. And this is the big. And kids are either getting the wrong kind of stimulation or no kind of stimulation. If your child is stuck at a communication level, it's either wrong or too limited. Okay. It could be too fast. It could be too slow. It could be too repetitive. It could be not teaching because What a lot of parents do when they get in this environmental blockage situation is it happens because if let's say an example where a parent would have a child would have too little speech, they spend too much time on tech and they're memorizing Elmo and rhymes and words over and over again. Or they spend time with a nanny or a mom who is working all the time and is highly intuitive and already just sort of knows what her kid wants and just does things for them all the time and never talks to them all day. If you think about if you get through a day and you've said 12 words to your child and everybody's happy, you see these intuitive spirit kids, I call them the kids who are highly intuitive with their moms. They don't need to talk so they don't develop spoken language. I like that. That's a really good point. And I'm really glad you added that on too, because I feel like with the pandemic and all the bullshit that we're experiencing right now, like I don't want to add more guilt onto parents. Like I know sometimes tech has to be your babysitter, <laughs> but it, it is, I like too, that sometimes we just know. And that's where I was going is when you say words that mean something to you. So I know that a lot of people struggle. The mamas know exactly what the kid is saying. And I look and I go, I don't understand a word the kid has said. So what age does that become important? At the same age, at the same development, because here's the thing about spoken language. 
there's reasons we talk. There's reasons that we learn, right? Sure. Like we talked about those blockages. Like I said, if a kid is too little language or the wrong kind of language, they're just not going to get programmed and they aren't going to understand how to do it. So it's just when you look at it from a foreign language learning perspective, I just want to talk about that blockage again, how it happens. If you knew a little bit of language of English or whatever, or maybe you you had a semester of high school Spanish or something like that, or even a couple of years of high school Spanish, and then you went to Spain and mm-hmm. you started there and they spoke a dialect of Spain. It happens a lot with the families who follow me. They they're immigrants to the United States and they learned English in school and they dropped here in Dallas where people don't speak English like they speak English in English school in India. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. <laughs> and they don't even understand the people they work with, let alone like whatever. And their kids have never been exposed to that language before they moved here. You know what I mean? And yeah, but yeah. the parents can relate because here they are plunked in an environment where everybody's speaking and they can't understand what's going on. And they're expected to. They're expected right, right, to. Right. Right. And that's okay. the truth for every late talking child. That's why this and then we're going to get into the next one. But that's why if the language models aren't right and okay. the child's not listening, their brain can't get programmed to understand how to use language. And they're always in a defense. What do I have to do? Because remember, they're just trying to communicate. They're just trying to let you know what yeah. they want. Yeah, they're yeah, just yeah. trying to let you know so, what they want. So and that's when say- behaviors come in. Yeah. Right. And so when you say, listen, you don't mean that they're ignoring, you mean that they're not able, the environment's not right for them to take in the words. No, I mean, they're ignoring. Okay. That's the, that's the third, that's the third blockage. Right. But see, remember what causes us to ignore things, right? If it's too boring or if it's too repetitive or if it's too challenging, or if I'm not motivated, like I don't like it. I just don't like it. Right, right, right. It's not my thing. If you're sitting in, if you're listening to this podcast and this isn't your conversation, what are you going to do? You're going to click it off. Oh my God, but you're so funny too, because listen, this is a thing my audience knows about me. I get very panicky. I literally have panic attacks thinking that I'm not going to be able to listen to all the podcasts I want to listen to before I die. And so I was like, okay, how can I speed this up? So I love Joe Rogan. And I, I, same thing. I just love his interview style. I pay attention no matter, he could be talking to like an MMA fighter and I don't give a shit about the content, but I'm like, I love his style. So I tried to listen to it on the speed and I sped it up to one and a half. He lost me in two minutes because it was yeah. just too fast. I couldn't absorb it. So oh, what like, a perfect exactly. analogy. Perfect, perfect analogy. So here's what we need to know that is happening as a big as a physiological blockage that happens to a lot, a lot of kids. And we're talking 20 percent of the population. OK, people know adults who have this problem and it is a slow auditory processing system. Okay. And it affects people in way, whole lot of different ways. Dyslexia, ADD, it's being diagnosed with all those things, but it's the same problem you see. Mm -hmm. And 20% of the population have it. And these are shy kids who need to listen to a lot more talking because their processing is slow and everybody's talking as fast as Joe Rogan and they get every third word. And remember, they're living in the world where everybody's talking this fast, fast, super fast language, and they are expected to follow every direction, do everything they're told and whatever. And when they don't, when they hesitate, because they're like, what did you say? When they hesitate, people are like, oh, no, the kid's slow. Oh, no, the kid's broken. Oh, no, the kid has autism. You know what I mean? And it's not, it's just this common thing. Listening, right? They might be caught, it might, so the not listening could be they tune out because it's too to t- slow, fast, right. So what happens is, yeah, and it's it's a perpetuating problem because the 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 great news about this problem and the reason that most people grow out of it is because of what we have called neuroplasticity in our brain. It we can learn. Our brains can learn how to do things that we didn't used to do. That's what developmental learning is. How you right, learn right. to control your your bowels. You know, when you couldn't when you were a baby, somehow your brain developed and a something that was intrinsic in your body that you couldn't flip a switch to turn on, right? Your brain learned how to control that thing. Your brain learns also how to process auditory information. And what is the training? Listening, active, 
conscious listening because the more you hear speech used functionally, people talking to each other, people talking to you, people talking in different languages, you're going to be like, oh, that's how that works. That's how that works. And you're going to turn on your intuition like you and I do and look for the patterns. And you're going to say that works, that works. And that's how all kids learn their first functional phrases. They saw somebody else use it. They liked it. They knew it was useful and motivating for them because they got the result they wanted and they tried it out and they said, I'm going to try to say cookie. And then guess what happened? They got the reinforcement from the adult who said, you said cookie, here's 10. Right. Well, I think the other, here's another really good example of that. And parents are so well aware, like how many, how often do we get our kids to say, please? Mm -hmm. And then you say, fuck accidentally. And your kid picks it up immediately because you said it with so much power. There was so much emotion. It was such a yes. loaded word. They don't know it's a swear word. They just know, wow. What right. a and word. It's so important. You said that you are, what a great interview. You're bringing up all the things that are in the environment, right? Because it's not just what you say, the words you say, it's how you say it. When I talk about the environment, I use what I call language facilitation talk. And that is the right words. And the right words are the words your kid is thinking, right? Like, oh, that broccoli tastes terrible because they put it in their mouth and it falls out and you're like, you hate broccoli. But nobody says that out loud, right? You just know it because you see it written all over your kid's face. But if you want to teach your kid to say those words, you got to say them out loud. Then we're getting into strategies. But like I said, so that's, again, environmentally, the right words have to be the kids, what the kid is thinking, what they're feeling, what they're doing, what they are focused on, because they're not always focused on the same thing the mom's focused on. And with that disconnect, it's not going to work. Right. And that's the right time. In that sense, though, like so, so in my book, in my toddler book, one of the things I am against is and I think. You know, you're, what do I want to call them? You're lesser skilled speech, speech pathologist, maybe. The, you know, they, so you can get a lot of crap information online. And people have heard that they should, their kids should be listening. So they narrate and they over narrate and they talk and talk and talk and never give the child a chance. Or they're labeling like, and I know you were just throwing an arbitrary example, but oh, broccoli tastes terrible. You hate broccoli. That's not something we would want to reinforce, right? With like, Maybe that mm. isn't what that face meant. And no, you just gave the kid the idea. I oh, hate broccoli. I disagree. I disagree. Okay. I think we need to empower kids to tell us that they hate broccoli because otherwise, how are we going to know that if we give them broccoli, we're going to expect pushback. If you hated broccoli and I knew no. you hated broccoli yeah. and I said, I don't care, Jamie, eat it anyway. Would you want to hang out and eat with me? No, but knowing that taste buds develop, I mean, I know we're stepping into a whole nother. I get it, here, but, but then but you like need to find a way, then you need to like, find a way to talk about if you want your kid to consciously enjoy broccoli, then you got to work on that skill. They have to consciously enjoy it. If it tastes terrible now, but it might taste better later, then you talk about that. Because here's the thing that a lot okay, of parents so don't you're, understand. So you're just talking about it's a yeah. problem. If it's if it's a problem, remember, all behavior is communication. And if you ignore a child's communication, you are shutting them down and turning them away from you and decreasing the amount of time that they will want to listen to you. Think about how you feel when people shut you down. You go away. Fair enough. I think just the caveat of like, I can see you hate broccoli and we're going to try it. We're going to keep. Yes, there always has to be an additional explanation because and that's the whole thing about this. That's what the environment's about. We don't want to piss kids off. Right. I mean, I'm not trying to bash any parents. You know, I'm real. And and the thing is, but parents don't realize. Right. Is that this third blockage that we're going to get into this mindset blockage is what's causing all this behavior. If you just in your environment concentrate instead of what you're not doing and what you're doing wrong. Right. I don't want to talk about that anymore. Let's talk about what you got to do. You got to say the right words the right way at the right time. The right words are the words your kid is thinking. The right way is slow. Just talk slow. If there is one strategy you take out of this entire video and our podcast and your kid is a late talker, just start talking slowly because that narration you talked about is very important, but you have to give your kid processing time because their brain is probably not 
developed yet. Even if they're not slow processing to begin with, their language processing hasn't developed because they haven't had the input. So Okay, so this is where we can meet in the middle. And, and yep. that's, that's really good to know because I really like this because even as I'm, I'm processing myself to ignore the kid who clearly hates broccoli is really invalidating. So I love that you said that. And I love that there is a clarification needed. But I also think too that like the narration... So I go into this a lot about the limbic system and how, how it's not developed, especially in our men. And that generally women talk too fast and generally we give too much information. Like we just don't give, you guys got to see, this is not visual for you, but Marcy and I are both talkers. She's literally clamping her mouth shut so that she doesn't interrupt me. It's hilarious. Cause we both like, and I think we're both fast. Like, are you from New York too? Like, we could no, both, we can both like just, I told you I bet. So, um, so anyway, I, the, the narration that I say is, is probably too fast and it's too concentrated with too many words, not allowing the child to process. So I like that. So that doesn't contradict my thinking and it adds to it. Okay, good. And there's one more caveat I want to have to that. The words that you're saying are very important because again, parents are trying to this teaching method that they're using in this environmental time, they think that they should be able to pull these words out like therapists, okay? Parents want to be like therapists because, again, that worry happens. And the right time to do this language model is in the moment, during the activities, not a set aside 20 minute session in your house or this meant, you know, whatever. It's just like potty training in that case. You don't teach potty training. You teach it when you need it. Right. And you teach communication when you need it as well. So the right words are the words that your kiddo is thinking and the words that you're thinking. So we said the caveat, right? You got to say, yes, you hate broccoli and broccoli's on the menu today. So we got to find put cheese on it or something. And so the number two is the right way, which is slow and with short enough phrases. Use the big vocabulary, but slow enough that your child can hear every sound in every word and you have to slow yourself this slow because if you don't you don't know how slow you need to go Right. Because we don't have an MRA, MRI of your kid's brain (laughs) to tell how fast they're processing language or how where they are in development or not. And that technology is not even developed to be be available for the regular public. But they are using it in research. And that's how we know these things. You see, we know that kids who are late talking have brains that are underdeveloped. Just like kids who are not walking or potty trained, that area of the brain is not developed yet. That's why we call this all late talking, because it's just not developed yet. And what happens to block the process sometimes is this environmental. If you've been teaching the same words over and over and over again, those flashcard situations, or if your speech therapist won't elevate from single words after months and months and months of exposure to single words, trust me, your kid already knows those single words. And they're going to be looking for other ways to fill the time in the therapy session. They don't care about speech anymore. They're like just spending a nice time with their speech therapist friend because they're not learning anything new. They no, quit learning something they new. Live all. They want to keep going. They want to keep going. And that's why the right time to help them learn the words that they are thinking about is when they're doing the goofy things they do all day. When they pick up a, a cord and flap it around, instead of saying, what are you doing? Dig in and find out why is my kid doing that? <gasps> he likes how it looks or it sounds cool when it slaps on the floor or it makes a cool wave or whatever. Talk about that because that's what your child is thinking and that's the language they're looking for. And when they're looking for learning to, to develop, guess what they do? They develop lightning fast, immediate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Immediate. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I do is I coach parents to talk Think about what your kid is thinking about because you know better than anybody. Say the words. If you see something, say something. Say it slow, slow, slow. 
give them time to process it. And I'll tell you what, over time, even a week, even one week, you do this with your kid and you will see an improvement. Now, what blocks you from doing that is the number three blockage. And it's that mindset and worry blockage, right? Because we second guess ourselves because this doesn't happen immediately. When you prompt your kid, say cookie, and I'll give you the cookie, you hear cookie right away because you've got some tangible reward for that. Okay. And that makes you feel better because my kid's talking. He said a word. I'm doing it. I did it. (laughs) Right. I feel better because I am actively making words come out of my kid's mouth. I did it. I'm like the therapist. Right. But the problem is, what are you teaching? You're teaching behavior and not spoken language. You have to trust, trust that the the scientists at Yale University who know that kids who are slow talking are true. You have to trust that you know what your child is thinking. You have to trust that your child is listening when you talk nice and slow and they're looking at you and smiling, right? You have to trust that the information is getting in there and not jump in and test it. Refrain from jumping in and testing. And the big strategy here is stop asking your toddler yes, no questions. Stop it now. Stop it now. Because it's not helping them. Just give them the answer that you're guessing. You are hungry. You look sad to me. You, hmm, I think you need to go potty right now, right? All of that, that you are guessing, but you guess out loud. Most mamas guess, oh no, kids got to go. They pick them up and run to the bathroom and stick them on the potty. They don't talk about They don't the reflect problem. back. That's what I say. Reflect back the symptoms. Monarch Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch Legacy of Monsters, streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. And in that mindset, I just want to touch on this really briefly because I think it's so important. We have gotten caught, and it's it's our society in general, but this man was this compounded during the pandemic. Your under five-year-old is not behind in anything right now. So we are recording this in February of 2021. We're still in the pandemic. And so I feel like a lot of things got fucked up for our preschoolers during the pandemic when parents got this like gripping fear that their kids were falling behind. And I have people writing to me daily. My three-year-old can't write his name. His letters are crappy. His letters are crappy because he's three and because he's not playing and doing big play and core building exercises that gross motor skills that translate to fine motor skills. So, so you guys don't like what Marcy's saying is so important. This is not about like, don't decide you've got a late talking kid. So now I'm going to teach all day long. Like it's, it really is that, um, you guys have more intuition than you think. And again, I think the intuition is broken because of all the information online and it's so easy to get fucked up, but it's same thing with, with people, quote unquote, homeschooling. We all homeschool till your kid goes to school. You're homeschooling the minute your kid comes out of the womb. Enjoy the discovery of your kid, the flapping of the phone cord. Enjoy that. Like why? Rather than you're not sitting for your lesson. Instead, you're, you know, you're rolling on the couch. They're rolling on the couch because that's what they need, that stimulus. You know what I'm saying? So what that mindset piece I think is really key right now. And it brings me, Marcy, if you don't mind, I'm going to just kind of, because I feel like philosophically we could talk for hours, but can we just like bang through the questions that the people wrote into me? And then I want to spend the majority of the time on your strategies and uh, um, the things that you wrote to me. Yeah. And uh, these questions, I'll have strategies in these questions too. So yeah, let's dig in and find out what people want to know. That's what I love. Absolutely. You guys, she's got YouTube. She's got a plethora of YouTube. So you guys can go 370 videos on YouTube with, with step-by-step strategies. Everything you need. 370 free videos, everybody. Go to YouTube, wavesofcommunication.com. But I'm going to tell you, listen, I can can tell you, let's talk about what these guys want to know, moms. Okay. Also, it's really funny. I have 372 blog posts on potty training. I think that's just really funny that we have so... (laughs) Literally the same. Like literally the same. (gasps) So funny. (sighs) 
So All right. So what constitutes, we did um, what constitutes like talking. How about my four-year-old son L's sound like W's? Is it normal? Okay. So let's get back to kind of that um, same analogy that you said about these kids. Are they behind or whatever? And, you know, with speech, if you notice a difference and you see that it is affecting your child, then it's something that you potentially should talk about working on with your child because speech clarity is a self correcting job. No one can help you use your speech better ever. Okay. But you may be less or more motivated to use your speech better because of your environment. So for example, if this little kiddo is four and he spends most of his time by himself doing building jobs where he's not talking to a lot of people in public. And when he does talk in public, it's not developed yet because maybe he hasn't had a whole lot of experience talking. Then the L's probably going to come when he does when, you know, when he gets it later Four is pretty young for that kind of thing. However, if you really notice it affecting his overall speech clarity and other people like friends are having a real hard time understanding him because of it, then you want to talk to your four-year-old about, wow, it's a struggle sometimes talking to other people. Talk to them about the motivation they need to develop to practice those sounds. That's always the first step before you start getting out any kind of flashcards or any kind. We're going to work on the L sound today. Sure, you, sure. Your child must own the responsibility to try to fix this thing and not just do it because you took them to the speech therapy appointments. You know, okay. they have to want to do it. So then the, the way that I would do it, and this is what I would do anyway, because you're noticing it is you want to provide anytime your child's speech sounds different than the speech you want to be hearing. This is true for speech sound problems. And if they're not using the right words or they're using pronouns or they're limited or whatever, you always what I call recast the speech you want to hear. Because remember, we're building those brain processes. And the reason, one of the reasons he's not saying it right is because he's not hearing it right. Because maybe his brain is processing a little bit too slow to catch the nuance of the L. And he yeah, heard yeah, it enough right. the wrong way that it's a habit now. And yep. so hearing it the right way is going to be most important to retrain his brain. So you pick characters that have a lot of L in them and you play with them. You get books about Larry the locomotive and you read them real slow and you emphasize the L's and R's and things that you're saying or whatever the word is that your kid's not doing. And you let them see, whoa, mom or dad is taking extra care to say that la 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 sound or the er yeah, sound yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Maybe I should also be taking some care when I say that sound because your kids want to be like you. They will talk like you. They'll say the phrases you say. They'll sure. say the things you do. So if you want your kiddo's speech to be better, you have to take the responsibility to be the better speech model. And the right words the right way at the right time. So if your child is thinking about Lionel, the, you know, the, the locomotive or whatever, right, right. and you know, they're doing that thing and you talk about it, it's going to stick in his head. Oh, that's how you say his name. And he's going to want to say his favorite character's name, right? He's going to want to say that yeah. correctly. And I think know? we all have examples of that. I think the famous, I, and I saw this online and so many people say it. So there's a prayer in Catholicism, our father who art in heaven, hallowed is thy name. And every kid thinks that Howard is your name. Yeah. They think God is named Howard because that's how they heard it. Right. And so like, and you know, they all screw up LMNOP because yep. we say it too fast. Yep. LMNOP Perfect and then they're examples. like LMNOP. Yeah. Perfect examples. The kids who know baby shark, but they don't know the other ones, they don't know grandma right, right, right. and they don't know daddy and they, they know the baby, baby, everybody's baby because yep. they got that part, but they didn't get the rest because it wasn't that they couldn't process it, but their brain was so happy thinking about baby. They were stuck. 
right? And they didn't listen to the rest of it until they're like, wait, there's more. Oh, when it goes slow, wait, there's mommy shark and grandma shark. And oh my goodness, this story gets better. And that's how it develops because they're like, wait, more information. I want to know that I'm listening. And when they're listening, it gets in. Right. And then it develops naturally for every kid. It doesn't matter. I've got kids who have seizures, who have like three steps forward, five steps back, two steps forward, four steps back. And these kids are still talking. They're still pushing through seizures because they're so highly motivated to talk. All kids want to talk. All kids want to talk. But they need parents to provide them, put the information in their brains so that when their brains are working at their best, after practice, 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 then they're going to try it on their own. And then you're going to hear it. And then it sounds so sweet because it pops out when you least expect it. They say the craziest thing. (laughs) Always. So listen, a 27-month-old late talker, what what are your feelings on sign language, promoting sign language? Okay, so here's my feeling about sign language. If your child is trying to make sounds with their mouth, don't teach them to use their hands. Because remember, we're evolving out of physical communication into speech. So when your child is stuck, you know, remember, remember, we have to look at these blockages. Are they getting enough language models? And remember, if you're modeling something with your hands, how is that going to develop your child's underdeveloped auditory processing system? That's the problem here that we have to develop. If we don't develop that auditory processing system, speech is never going to come. So, yep, you can teach your kids signs, but it's just like that. Say a cookie to get a cookie. It's just a behavior that is a communication. And I promise if your child, it can hear you. Okay. If your child Mm -hmm. can hear what you're saying and they're a toddler under five, Your energy of providing slowly spoken speech models will get Mm -hmm. you a lot farther, a lot faster than sign language. Cool. I like baby sign language and I used it with my son, but we only used it up until about, I don't know, he busted out a full sentence in sign language at like 15 months, but then he started, there was no speech concern. Right. Well, so my, you know what? I did the same with my daughter. Only I did it because I knew sign language and my ex mother in law was deaf. So I taught her sign language and she knew more sign by nine months old. My kid had like 50 signs and two words, you know? Okay. Because there's vocal cords and everything's not But here's what happens. Baby sign is different than this. If a child is 26 months, right? Very, very different because that 26 month old has a lot of things to communicate and baby signs are way too limiting. And also, also here's this. When a child gets to be in that 18 months, they're walking, they're exploring, and they're using their hands for other things. They're touching everything and putting stuff in their mouth and exploring with their body, and they don't want to use their hands to communicate. And that's what happened with my daughter. She quit the sign as soon as she started walking. Right. You know, and and then talking came, blah, blah, blah. And all parents, if you have a late walker out there, they're always late talkers. They're always late talkers because they can't get around. They don't have exposure to the world. But I think sometimes we don't even realize, you know, it's funny because a really good friend of mine, she on her own came to me and said, oh, I had to get speech for my my five year old. And I was like, oh, my God, thank God, because I didn't know how to broach you and tell you that I don't understand a word he says. And (sighs) she was like, really? And I said, yeah. And one of the things we're good friends, so we can, you know, joke about it. But one of the things is if you find yourself having to be the translator, right? Like if you have to constantly if people strangers are like, what? And you have to translate. I'd say that's a big, big sign. Too. Yes, yeah. big sign. My little one. Now, this person didn't give an age, and I'm a little concerned about that because it says my little one will only use the sound of the animal, not the words. Any suggestions how to change this? I think there's probably a range where that's absolutely like 16, 18 months. They start meow, 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 and then right, they, everything's yeah. meow. Right. And yeah, everything's the same over generalizing. Over two. No. Right. And again, yeah. if you see frustration in your child that they're not able to communicate their other things. And again, I would tell that mom, if you want to see the development, then start providing more spoken language models. You know? Yeah. yeah. And you guys, listen, I got to interject here because don't go psycho on this. Don't like start like talking really slow to your five month old because you want them to get a jump start. We got to like, a, we got a real 
This is late. This is late talkers. After 18 months, after 18 months is when these strategies, because remember your kid before 18 months, their brain's not even developed. Their auditory processing system isn't even like you haven't laid the groundwork yet. And that's another question. How can you go from babbling to words? My little one is making a lot of sounds. That's natural. Like I would wait and let that progress. More language models. If if there's, if you feel like your child is stuck, then slow down your speech and provide more spoken language models. All right. And then we touched on, um, I had a bilingual and a trilingual and yep. we touched on that in environment that like as a blockage. So that's going to be part of the late talking, right? Cause they got two things going on. Not necessarily because okay. think about in other countries, kids learn to talk multiple languages from very, very young because they are constantly exposed to multiple languages. So kids who are in a bilingual household, trilingual household, maybe late talking a little bit later than normal. However, what they will do usually is by two years old, they'll be using 50 words, but they'll be split up between the languages. Okay. okay. So they won't be as successful because remember their brain's only able to memorize so much by two years old. And if they're trying to process two languages, they might know the same five words in three languages. Okay. You know what I mean? But remember, the criteria is that they're using them all the time. And a kid can't learn how a word is used until they hear a lot more language than those words. Right. So they have to be exposed to both. So the strategy, the number one thing is being in a bilingual, trilingual household. If your child is late talking, don't stop using both your languages. Don't okay. just say we're going to give up our home language and use only English if we live in the United States or whatever. Don't give well, I think up I your guess home language. You just said a very important thing is like if they have if they have cat in Spanish and in English, that's two words. That's not yes. one word. So it's two languages talk, like, and it's two whole processing right. systems because you think different. If you've ever spoken a foreign language, you know, if you've ever learned a second spoken language, yeah. you know that when you get fluent, you have to start thinking in that language. You think about what the people say so you can put the word order and know the right vocabulary. It's a different part, different set of vocabulary. And there's a different cadence and rhythm and word order and and all of that stuff, depending on the language. And some languages are very, very different, you know, like English. Yeah, I remember you know. the day I was living in Paris and I had taken French my whole life. And I, and I remember the day I stopped having to think about it. And funny enough, that night I dreamt in French and I was like, interesting. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And see, so you'll understand. So here's the experience that these kids have again, like, you know, you're you don't speak the same language as everybody else. You're highly motivated because you love that person. So if mom speaks one language and dad speaks another, for example, right. Yeah, yeah, Common. For sure. Or if or if if they're living in the United States and they live with grandma or a nanny who's from the old country, you know, and that yeah. person doesn't speak English. So they have to speak the old language, the home language with them. So the child is hearing it. Remember, they're listening all the time. Just like when you said your kid says fuck and oh, by mistake, oh they are way. listening all the time. So even when you're not using the super slow talking, they're listening. Remember, we don't know that your kid needs super slow. You use super slow when you need them to listen, right? Sure. You know, that thing for sure. sure. But they're listening anyway to all of it. So the key is don't give up your home language. But when you use it, use it in its pure form. So your child gets very good exposures. Don't spanglish it. Don't mix them together. No Hindlish, (laughs) you know, no (laughs) Hindlishing because the kids are going to mix it up. Right. And you probably do. If you have two languages going in your house, you probably do mix them up commonly in your daily conversation. And you don't want to confuse your child because you're teaching them both languages. So my my suggestion, my strategy about this in bilingual households is speak one language at a time. Everybody in the room speak the same language at the same time for a whole activity, for a meal or while you're getting dressed, speak the home language or reading books in that language where the whole conversation is in that language language so that your child hears the stories and they learn the pronouns and the word order and the cadence and they get all the examples more than just eavesdropping on you talking to grandma. Yeah, you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? Because they're That's eavesdropping right. anyway and listening anyway, but they need a practice. So, you know, you need to yeah. tell stories and, and talk in that language, purely in that language. So, yeah, that's how I think. OK, you, you sort of touched on this, but maybe you could say, is it our fault? And will it have an impact on his academics and his learning? Is it our fault? Late talking? Is late talking, yeah. Well, 
Let's I, talk I know about exactly what you're going to say. It's yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all about the blockages. Right. It's all about right. the blockages. And, you know, it's not our fault, but it's our responsibility. OK, I'll say it that like way. That. Like it's that. not our fault, but it's our responsibility. Your child is talking the way they're talking now because they are of the exposure that they've had. Sure. And that and so if they've had too fast or limited talking or maybe they couldn't hear because they had ear fluid or they were having seizures, that's not your fault. You know what right. I mean? So right. I don't know. It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility because if your child's having seizures or ear fluid, it's your responsibility to address those physical problems. So right. it's not your fault, but it is always your responsibility for both where you are and it's your responsibility to get you out. Okay. Yeah. And so you guys don't hear this as guilt. That's what I think no. we're trying to say is don't hear this as guilt. And and you guys know me. Listen, if you're listening to this podcast, you are in the upper echelon of parenting, period. <laughs> You're making an effort to improve your parenting by listening to a podcast about parenting. So, right. so know that it's not, it, we're not saying this to take guilt. It's to take responsibility. Maybe you didn't have enough information. Right. Maybe, and you let know me what go, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Let me go even farther to let you know that not only are you responsible, but you are the best one. This is easy. It's easy for you right. because right, it, right. you don't feel guilty, literally. It's not as hard as you think at all. It is so easy. The, the strategies are easy. The change is what's hard. It's giving up the guilt, giving up the worry, trusting in yourself because mamas are the best. I quit being a speech therapist because I wasn't as good at being a speech therapist as mamas are. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. All right. We should start wrapping it up. But and honestly, I like you guys, we could go hours and hours, I'm <laughs> sure. But Marcy has already created like a shit ton of content that you can go check out. But I did want to just two things that Marcy had written me about sort of in her intro. So the pandemic's been super hard on kids with speech delay. And what would you advise parents because of this, with, because they have less exposure to people, less opportunities? Right. Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the big things that parents have, it's happened, whether you like it or not, realize it or not, is they've turned to tech, right? A lot yeah, of parents yeah, have turned to sure. tech. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's there, it's available. We didn't have it before. Obviously, the pandemic's unprecedented. So you go to solutions. Even parents who didn't use to use tech are using tech now. On my channel, I've done a video that is called Replace Tech Time for Talk Time with Talk, you know. So mm -hmm. there are some strategies to help you make those changes. But think really hard about your tech time and how much time you're doing it. And then the strategies to replace that is finding times where you are connecting with your child. And so where parents feel like they have to go, I think, you know, you talked about this before is, oh, no, now I'm worried and feeling guilty because I put my kid on tech. So now I've got to jump in and be a 24 hour teacher. And it's yeah. not that I suggest you you trade your activities for the things that Jamie was talking about. Get out and play whole body movement, take walks every day, get outside. Okay. Even I know we've got polar vortex going on right now, but people who listen to this later, yeah, yeah. wherever you are, there's no such thing as cold weather. It's inappropriate clothing. That's what we used to say bad when gear. I lived no up in weather, Chicago. No, only bad gear. Yep. That's right. That's right. So you put on the snowsuits and you go out and you talk about the snow because we don't get this kind of snow all the time. Right. Yeah. And you take advantage of new things, your creativity, your intuition to come up with stuff that's fun. And if you can't think of anything to do, consider involving your child in your jobs because you've got to do these jobs, laundry, cooking, cleaning, yeah, yeah. yada, 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 yada. And I think parents sometimes have expectations of themselves. Now I've got to homeschool and I've got to keep a clean house and I've got to do all this stuff. No, and I'm going to actually, yeah, you guys, I want you to hear this because I know my, my parents that I work with that on my audience are on overload already. So listen, what Marcy's saying, if you have to work and you're on Zoom meetings and your kid is in front of tech all day, please do what you need to do. A sane, calm mom is 100% better than a stressed mom. So do not right. think that you have to replace tech while you are trying to work. But what we're saying is that what you want to look at is, you know, I call it connection time. You can be filling their bucket with slow, careful language while you're outside flipping your kid around in the snow. Right there, we took care of big play, speech, and connection time. So think of how you can like, you know, sort of multitask these lessons. Not that you have to like 
your kid was on tech for two hours. Now you're going to do a speech lesson for two hours. Don't, don't evenly weigh it like that. That's a great analogy. There's so much you can do. And dinner's going to be a pain in the ass when you have your three-year-old help and you're working on language, but you know what? Let it be a two hour making. That's That's right. Don't hurry up with dinner so that you can get to your speech. (laughs) Right. You've got the practice. You've got the prep. You've got the the cooking. You've got the actual mealtime. You've got the cleanup. You've got the let's talk about how fabulous our meal was. That reflection time you're talking about. You've got all of that whole part of the experience. And you only need here's the thing that parents all over the world have proven. You only need two to three hours in total of your 24 hours that you're with your kids. So if your kid's sleeping for 12 and you're working for eight, okay, you still got all that rest of that time to be with your kid. Even if you've got to do laundry or cook or whatever, have them in the room with you, give them some pots to play with, you know, whatever, have them near you and talk to them, explain things, be the show, be the YouTube that your kid wants to watch. Be so attractive that the mom show out plays Elmo. And you know, you know I mean? by this, you know, you guys, I, I always use the phrase, I used to be a circus performer. I don't mean spin plates and juggle fire. No. Right? So literally I was just working with a family and they were having a hard time with the mess and that the parents didn't, the parents were exhausted after the kids went to bed and were resentful that their self-care time was now picking up. Use pickup. That can be connection. That can be fun. Hey, let I'll hold the basket. You throw the blocks in. It can be a really fun activity. So I don't mean you get off of eight hour work Zoom calls and now you got a hangry, angry toddler who hasn't said, yeah, like, we're not asking you to do extra because I know. No, right now, like, it's not I, extra. Make it easier on yourself. And, and again, mm-hmm. that mindset, remember, so this mindset blockage, that's your kid's mindset and yours. So again, if you're over worried, you're going to work too hard. If you're over exhausted, you're not going to get the right work done. You're not going to get it done. And then you're going to feel guilty that you didn't do it yeah. and all of that stuff. And that self-care. So what Jamie said, I'm going to re-highlight it again. It was so, so important. So, so important that you must take care of yourself. You, when you make your plan for your day, which is one of my big strategies, if you're homeschooling, you got to, again, take responsibility for what the time's filled with and be okay with if it's tech time while you're working and be okay with it's this, because you know, you're getting the necessary two to three hours of connection and talking to your kid every day. And that's all you need. And remember, if you feel like your kid is behind other kids, that's somebody else's idea. That's not yours. You know, as long as you see continuous happiness in your kid, improvement, they want to try new things. They're showing you they're interested and curious about their world. All you need to do is join them and talk about it. Yeah. You know what? I want to give a quick example and then we'll log off is so you guys know I homeschool and I have always unschooled. Well, my son decided he wanted to do a formal high school online program. So we're in civics now. And the way this program works is basically he's doing like all four years at once, you know? So it's really, it's a lot of information and how our government works and what an exciting time to be alive. Well, you know, we're going so slow. They give you these markers, like you should be here, here and here. Right. And you guys know I'm a big hippy dippy, but I'm getting caught. I'm getting caught in those out external markers. So here, my kid is asking the most interesting questions. Like, well, how many people does it take to get one representative in the house of representatives? And I'm like, well, fuck if I know let's <laughs> Google. Right. And so that's like not in the program. So but here I go every once in a while, I get myself panicky because I'm like, but we're not on the right date. And because somebody set that external marker, you guys, this is my job. You know, I I don't like those external markers and I'm finding myself getting trapped. So it's very, very easy. And I have to keep saying, is it about these markers or is it about him absorbing the world that he's in now? Like we've got impeachment trials happening live. Like there's so much going on. And so like- And there's snow in Texas. There's snow in San Antonio. Are you kidding me? Everybody get out and play in it. It never happens before. I think that's a really good example of what we're talking about is like, don't don't miss the forest for the trees. You know what I mean? Like they dig in because all of this is really juicy and it doesn't have to be like, hurry up and eat dinner so we can get to connection time. Use dinner as the connection time. Do you know what I mean? 
Yes. yes, that's how it goes. And that's why it happens naturally. And remember, this is habit change. So when you get in this, and this is what's great about this process, is when parents decide they want to be language facilitators and they're going to pr- make a plan to talk to their kid two to three hours a day every day, they start to see the changes in their kids and they yeah. double down. It's just like weight loss, right? Yeah, yeah. You start yeah, working oh, yeah. at the you gym the and you get going. You Once you lose a little weight, you're like, I am the best worker outer in the world. I know how to do all this. And you will find yourself empowered. And that's what all this is. Like I said, we know we call you out. I know that Jamie and I are caller outers and we do it because with kindness, of course, because we want to remind you about the things that when you focus your responsibility on the things that you can change, right, that you can do, then the worry that caused you to be in this pot in the first place goes away because you're taking action to get yourself out and you're seeing the continuous progress that you want to see. And it doesn't matter if you're potty training, dealing with tantrums or trying to find speech or fix your kids' R's. The process will happen if you understand what's wrong, take your action every day and don't let your mindset or your kids' refusals or whatever find out and dig in. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to log off now because I know you guys, these busy moms can't listen to an hour podcast in one sitting. So this is already probably taken three times for them. I know, I know. You <laughs> can split it up. Marcy online. I'm going to put her full name and all her places in the show notes, but it's Marcy Melzer. Um, her online platform is Waves of Communication. Her book is If It Isn't Fun, It Isn't Fun, Teach Your Child to Talk Faster Than Speech Therapy. And again, she's got 370 YouTube videos. You guys, there are YouTube videos on why how to help a late-talking child tame their tantrums, why they never sit still, why they keep moving, why, what can exhausted moms do? She has five gateways of communication. We didn't even get to these, but you can look those up online and she is a plethora of information. So use, use, use her. And I'm sure there's a way for people to book consults with you through that. On the website, waves of communication. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Marcy, this has been amazing. I'm sure, like I said, we could jam for seven hours straight philosophically. Love it. But actually, actually, we'd just be validating each other because <laughs> I know it's so great. And I, you know, what a great opportunity to chat with you. Thank you again. And thank you to everybody who's stuck it out and listened to us for all this time. Like I said, I know pop moms are busy and I hope the information was valuable and we can help you and you can help your late talking child. Because the thing is, these kids got wisdom. We need to know, Jamie. And when moms and dads help them share it with the world, it's going to help the whole world. And that's what yeah. my mission is. Yeah. And for sure. And I, I mean, I learned a lot and I feel really, I was like, holy shit, did I give people wrong information? So I'm glad we agree with that. Nah, it's all good. Everybody hears just at the right time. That's how the universe works. Right. Exactly. And so remember you have it, you can do it. Parents are the best language facilitators own it. We're empowering you right now. Sending you that energy. Sweet. All right, Marcy. Thanks. Take care. You guys rock on. Bye for now. All right, I'm going to sign off for today. You can always go to jamieglowacki.com for the super cool latest updates, including the launch of my new book, yummy new book presale treats, when we release new episodes, and how to work with me directly. And of course, if you need any potty training help, there's a handy link there that will take you to all my potty training resources, including all my courses. That's the Oh Crap Potty Training online course, my pooping solutions course, and my night training supplement. And if you need additional help, how to book with a certified OCRAP consultant. That's all at jamieglowacki.com. Have a beautiful day and rock on.